Welcome to the Aspieland Podcast. I'm your host, John Allen. Come with me on an adventure into the world of Asperger's Syndrome, also called Autism Spectrum Disorder. Everyone is welcome here, whether you have the disorder or you're interested in learning more about it. We're here to help you understand, share, and relate. We're just about to get started, so come on in. Greetings, and welcome once again to Aspieland. My name is John Allen, and I'm your host, and I'm happy to have you with me, whether you're someone with Asperger's Syndrome Autism Spectrum Disorder or you're a neurotypical. You're all very welcome and accepted here. If you're new to this podcast and you're an Aspie, I want to help you understand life in the neurotypical world. And if you're neurotypical, well, this is a place where you can learn about life as a person on the spectrum and who we really are, what we think and how we feel, and why we sometimes do the things we do. I want to help you come to see that we're just simply different, having the same needs and feelings as anyone else. The idea is to come together and accept one another, and we do that by looking at life through each other's eyes. In previous podcasts, we've discussed the idea of autism and the medical community, especially in regards to treatments and actually interfacing with the medical personnel. Well, in this podcast, we're going to take a look into the actual diagnostic process for children and young adults. Now, before we introduce our guest, let me first mention that I really appreciate all of you who are listeners to our podcast. It's truly a great honor and privilege to do these podcasts for you. Thank you as well to those of you who have been so kind as to donate to our podcast. It really helps keep this podcast going. And if you would be interested in donating, just go to the website, aspieland.org, click on the donate page, and just fill it out. That's all it takes. And it doesn't matter how big or how small your donation is. It'll be used just for the creation of this podcast. Also, if you get a chance, Please rate and review this podcast so that others who may be cruising the web can find us. Okay, having said all that, let's get back to our episode that I call The Diagnostic Process. I'm real pleased today to have Dr. Allison Burke with us. She's a licensed psychologist and the director of the Autism Diagnostic Center at Akron Children's Hospital, which is a very uh, distinguished hospital here in Akron, Ohio, and in Northeast Ohio for that matter. She earned her PhD in clinical psychology from Southern Illinois University, Carbondale, and she received an advanced graduate certificate in applied behavior analysis from Webster University. Dr. Burke has eight years experience in assessment of autism spectrum disorder and holds certifications in evidence-based interventions such as parent-child interaction therapy and the PEERS, peers, I guess, social skills curriculum who also worked at some children's hospitals in St. Louis, as I understand. So welcome, Allison, to Aspieland. Um, I guess the first question I have is, what brought you into the field of autism? So that's a, a great question and, and something I talk about a lot. I actually, all through graduate school, was planning on working in the juvenile justice system. So that's what a lot of my my training and my research was on. And then during my postdoctoral fellowship, um, I actually was working in a developmental and behavioral pediatrics clinic. 
and they needed someone to um, replace one of the psychologists who had been doing autism evaluations. And um, they said, we want to get you trained in this. And I said, sure, because I love learning new things. And then I just really, I liked it and I never looked back. Wow. Wow. That's cool. Yeah. Okay. We've been exploring, as the audience knows, we have been exploring in previous podcasts about treating a child in the medical community where a child would come in perhaps with a minor emergency and the child comes in and needs to be treated and the staff may or may not be trained in how to deal with autistics when they come in. And we did an interview with a a lady, uh, a mother, and how she stepped in where she was working and she stepped in and said, we need to be trained. uh, There's a lot of things here that you don't understand and so she helped train their staff on understanding autistics and meltdowns and things like that and all that goes on within that realm and so we've been talking about that a lot and i was trying to look into what we're doing here so what systems are there in place at Akron Children's? Recently, there's been an acknowledgement, I think, that um, the hospital would like to be able to provide more support to clinicians so that they can more effectively work with autistic patients um, and kind of reduce the patient's stress um, when they're there, whether it's for an inpatient stay or for an outpatient visit. And I was recently contacted about potentially participating in a group to kind of work on developing some some kind of unified approach to that. And that is where it's stayed for now. So I think the hospital is very aware that it's important and very aware that it's something that, that needs uh, more attention mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, hopefully we'll be moving forward with that. Okay. Um, so what is your role? In the, you're in you're the director of the Diagnostic Center. Mm-hmm. So what is your role in all of that? So in the Diagnostic Center, we it, it's typically uh, myself, so the psychologist, um, a speech pathologist, and then we have a developmental p- pediatrician who works with us too. And um, often kind of the first step in a family's journey of receiving the initial diagnosis. So they may have, you know, had talks with pediatricians or other providers and may suspect um, autism or something else developmentally that's going on. But we're kind of the the first people that say your child is autistic, if that's the case, and then provide them resources after the evaluation and kind of direct them as to next steps. Okay. Okay. Uh, Do you have a lot of, uh, I hate to say a lot of clients or a lot of traffic, but essentially... Do you have many children to come in and get di- get diagnosed? Yeah, so we have a, a really long waiting list, as um, you know, anybody <laughs> who lives in the area and is listening would, would know. And uh, often families are waiting months to get in. So we have a pretty full schedule. We don't really have many cancellations or no-shows. You know, people get scheduled and they come. And so we normally do four evaluations a week for new patients. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Can you share some of your biggest challenges and your biggest hurdles so far? I think one of the biggest challenges is um, actually COVID has has been a big challenge. Oh, I bet, yeah. I bet. Um, because one thing when we're assessing for autism, we 
look a lot at things like nonverbal communication. So eye contact, facial expressions, gestures. We really want to see like the quality of those and how frequently they're displayed. And um, with one of the tests that we do, it's really important for us to be able to observe that. So with the examiners having to wear masks at the hospital and the kids having to wear masks, which a lot of our patients can't mask and that's fine. We don't force them to. Um, But, you know, with us wearing masks, they can't see necessarily how we're reacting or, you know, if we're smiling at them or exactly what our our face looks like. I would think that would make the diagnostic process a little more difficult. It, It definitely does. Um, so that has been a challenge. Um, I think we've handled it fairly well and have been able to overcome that. Um, you know, just talking to other people who are doing diagnostics around the country and kind of how they're handling it. But that, that was a big challenge when the pandemic first started. And then I would say another challenge has been um, just insurance companies, which I think anybody working in, in medicine feels that that can be a challenge. Because some insurance companies have been requiring families to come in and get a specific test done for their child for them to continue paying for services. And with us having long waiting lists, sometimes families are having to jump through all these extra hurdles and it's making it really difficult for them to just get their kids the care that they need. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. Are there other ongoing resources available at Akron Children's? Yeah, so we have a patient navigator. Um, our, our previous navigator had left, um, and we just actually um, hired a new one. So excited to meet with her soon and, and talk about kind of what we can do with her position. But the patient navigator's role previously was to reach out to families after the initial diagnosis to see if there's anything they were needing, anything in the community that they were having trouble accessing. She could kind of be a point person for if the family had questions post-diagnosis and they weren't necessarily clinical questions, but more so I'm trying to find a therapist in my area and we live in a really rural area and there's no one here. Do you know of anyone? So that's something that we do have. We also have developmental pediatricians who provide um, ongoing follow-up care. So And I guess I'll just explain what a developmental pediatrician is because I realized in talking with families that a lot of people have never really heard that term until someone suggests your child should go see a developmental pediatrician. Okay, okay. Yeah. So what they do, they have the same training as a general pediatrician to start, and then they do an additional fellowship in developmental and behavioral pediatrics. So they are trained in autism. Um, Often they'll do like ADHD kind of management. Some have worked with Down syndrome. They have experience kind of looking for characteristics of genetic disorders and might refer if they notice something like that. So in terms of our autistic patients, what is really helpful, I think, is they kind of become the the point person that the family can then follow up with over time to kind of track their child's development. So maybe seeing them once a year, once every six months. They can ask questions. So there are points in a child's life where, you know, parents may need some additional guidance. And especially if you have a child who is neurodivergent, you may have a hard time knowing how to navigate that, like puberty or transitioning to middle school or when they're getting to the point where, you know, they're they're almost aging out of um, kind of the special education system and knowing what resources are available. So, you know, that's a, a physician that can really help with those sort of, of things also. Hmm. Huh. That's interesting. Yeah. I've never even thought about a what is that a, a behavioral 
pediatrician, right? Yeah, so developmental pediatrician. Oh, developmental mm-hmm. pediatrician. I got my words wrong already. No, that's It's okay. like, no, I've never heard of it. And so I'm like, wow, this is like brand new to me. And uh, that's kind of a nice bridge mm-hmm. uh, that works from the actual diagnosis into, okay, got a diagnosis. Now, how do I live with this? Mm-hmm. How do I handle this? And you talked about the life cycle thing right. where, where they'll grow out of one stage into another stage, into another stage, and all those transitions can be overwhelming to especially neurotypical parents yes. who have no concept of what's going on in the head of the person who's on the spectrum. So I think that's really interesting. Have you had some really encouraging outcomes that you're able to share? Actually, we had a family who was having, there were some kind of cultural differences that I think were making it difficult for them to not only come in for the evaluation, but then there was some disagreement among family members about what the nature of the child's needs were and kind of, you know, how to proceed with that. And I felt like we were able to really support um, the mom in kind of validating her concerns and also, you know, giving her an idea that there are people out there who can support you. So there are, you know, different organizations and different um, kind of places you can go for resources where you can talk with people who, you know, may have similar experiences to you. Or you can talk with people who are going to help you with figuring out how to best help your help your son. Because ultimately, I think we see patients from so many different backgrounds, you know, different um, kind of racial ethnic groups, different socioeconomic groups, different education levels. But at the end of the day, what 99.9% of parents want is just, I love my child and I just want to know how to, you know, provide my child the best life, whatever that looks like. Not necessarily wanting to change their child or wanting their child, you know, to be a different person, but just, okay, so you're telling me this is what the diagnosis is. That's fine. Doesn't change who my kid is. How do I, how do I make his life great? And that's really what they're wanting. And I think there have been a number of cases where we've really been instrumental in kind of helping families feel like they maybe have more guidance on knowing how to do that. I would think that would be a big relief yeah. for parents because it's like weight on their shoulders trying to figure out what is going on here. I, I like, though, that you said the word relief because I've had some families use that where they they say, you know, it's just a relief to to finally have somebody confirm what I've kind of known all along. But but now, like, other people are going to listen to me and I'll be able to access things that I couldn't access before. Or I'll be able to kind of get information that I couldn't get before. And so definitely that word relief has been used by families. Okay. Um, I'm curious, do you find that Parents, but for the most part, do a lot of research to figure out what it is before they come in, or are they looking to you for for that information? Yeah, so that's a great question, and that's something I always try to gauge um, with families when I'm going over results with them and kind of providing them with next steps. So there are some families you can just tell from from when you first meet them that they have been really heavy into research. They've been reading a lot, talking to people. I've had a lot of moms say, I joined um, a Facebook group for parents of autistic kids, or I was looking on this website. 
So there, you kind of have that. And then you have some people where maybe they don't, they know that something is, is different about the course of their child's development and they're aware of that, but they're not really sure exactly what it is. They don't really, they've heard autism and they know that's why they're there, but they don't know exactly what autism is. Right. So I'd say we kind of get the, get the broad spectrum of, you know, parents in terms of what their knowledge and experience is. And, and I try to always gear my feedback Uh to them. You know, if they already know a ton about the diagnosis, then we might talk about, you know, it in kind of general terms and then more focus on resources. Uh Whereas Uh I think some families, when they aren't familiar with that diagnosis and what it means, you know, we spend a lot more time just talking about, the diagnostic criteria and kind of need for support and how that looks different in different people and right and just helping them understand that. Oh, that's really good. So if you could give our audience one takeaway, what would it be? So I would say whether you are autistic and you're listening or whether you're a neurotypical maybe parent of a child with autism, that I would say if your child's going in for an appointment, don't be afraid to ask questions. Or if you're going in for an appointment yourself, don't be able to or don't be afraid to ask about what to expect, to ask if there are certain things that can be done to help you have a better experience. You know, things like communication style or just the the setting, you know, temperature, lighting, those kind of things, you know, how much explanation or preparation do you give someone before a procedure or, right. you know, all of those things, they're going to be different for different people. And I think, you know, maybe feeling empowered to speak up and say what you're needing when, when you're going to a medical setting, or if you're a, a parent being able to speak up and, and say what your child is needing. I think that is what my kind of biggest suggestion or what I would want people to know is I know that it's so helpful for us when we have a child coming in for an evaluation if we know ahead of time just from looking at paperwork that maybe certain situations are kind of triggering for that person or that maybe they use a communication device and we want to make sure they have that the day of or you know those kind of things it's helpful on the provider side so I'd say if you're on the patient side you know, anything that you think is, is good for a doctor or someone working with your child to know ahead of time, um, I would not be shy to, to share that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's really well said. Well, I appreciate having you on board, and I appreciate your, the work you're doing there. It was really interesting, and I really hope that it, it does well and that you can continue doing it right here in our backyard. Uh, that would be great, and I appreciate your talking with us. And we'll probably get back to you again because i got a couple things I'm worrying around in my head that I might say, oh, I can ask her about that. So <laughs> Sure. I, I love that. No, that's great. I'm happy to, to be here. Thank you very much for being on with us. Thank you. Dr. Allison Burke, the director of the Diagnostic Center at Akron Children's Hospital. I certainly hope our visit with Dr. Burke has helped you learn more about how the parts of the diagnostic process can work. It was really interesting for me, and I hope you got a lot out of it. Please make sure to visit the podcast website, aspieland.org. There are a lot of good things going on there. For example, you can subscribe to the podcast. Just go to the subscription page, fill out the form. It only takes a minute. And don't worry, I'm not going to try to sell you anything. I'm just going to send you a quick note each time we're going to upload our next podcast. Keep in touch, by the way, by email, aspieland.org at gmail.com or john 
at aspieland.org. I'd really like to hear from you. Well, stay safe, and we'll see you next time in Aspieland. Thanks for listening to the Aspieland podcast. If you like this podcast, pass the word. This podcast is for everyone, whether you have Asperger's syndrome or not, because the more who listen, the better our opportunity to become more sensitive and compassionate, not only to those who have the disorder, but to all humankind as well. Thanks for visiting, and I hope you'll listen again.